Have you ever been curious about where you come from? Have you ever thought about your genealogy, your family history before? A lot of people out there could probably care less. Uh, but the majority of the mass population has a vast interest in where it is they came from and, and who they came from, from their family history. And with uh, today's technology, it's quite amazing how we can find out um, through backgrounds and, and through DNA testing that, that we could a we're able to kind of at least tell where we came from uh, from a um, from a nationality side, if you will, but also through also through documentation we could find out uh, our relatives and so on and so forth, and and so it's amazing on my on my father's side it's a very interesting story real quick is my father he was born in England, and my grandmother was separated from her siblings. Uh, at a very young age, her parents died, and she was separated from her siblings and put in an orphanage. And she hadn't seen her her siblings in, I want to say, 50 years. And so at an older age, my dad uh, decided to help her relocate her siblings. And she was able to uh, to locate them, and they they went back to England and visited each other after 50-some years of not seeing one another. I actually got to meet my great-uncle. And what's amazing is is that through technology, my dad has been able to uh, be in touch with, with relatives and so on, uh, so on and so forth over there. I have relatives in England that I, I could walk by on the street, and I would walk right past a relative of mine and not even know it. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying that maybe even through the uh, through the ministry here that maybe even I can meet some of my relatives through this somehow, because we're related. And what's even more interesting is, is that my grandmother, um, many years ago, uh, was in a relationship, a very short one, if you will, uh, with somebody that my uh, who was my father's biological father, my biological grandfather. My dad never met. He had no idea anything about him i have no idea anything about him where he came from except for the fact that he was in england and my my dad never had any answers but again through dna testing my father was able to to find out his races and so on and so forth from both maternal and paternal and and it was it's an amazing thing to be able to find out at least where you came from but today we're going to be looking at uh, some genealogy here. Uh, we're going to be covering Genesis chapter 5, which covers the family line of Adam. And, and I'm going to look at the first five, uh, five verses to elaborate on Adam uh, first, and then I'll explain others mentioned as well. Uh, but chapter 5 is, is mostly the birth record of Adam's offspring. Now, if you have a Bible, check out uh, chapter 5, because as, as it shows the names of his family tree, and how they how they lived, and, and we will uh, go into chapter 6. So I'm only going to read just a small little bit of, of Genesis chapter 5, because the majority of it is, is just the, uh, strictly the names of all the people and how long they lived. But again, if anything, we might not all be related by blood, but through Adam and Eve, every single human on the face of the earth is related because of them. But over the years, as, as, as time uh, went on and population has happened, that of course is spread out. So we're not we're not necessarily uh, because of the size of our world's population. We may not be blood related, but we are related in human form through Adam and Eve. 
And, and what's amazing is that there was a form of genealogy that covers all of this. So let's go ahead and read real quick. If you've got a Bible, look at Genesis chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 5. It said, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the, in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and blessed them, and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years, and begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So what's amazing again is, as it said here, that he had a son named Seth, and he was in, in the image of Adam, likeness in the image of Adam. Uh, my father was not on my birth certificate, but I knew my father. Long story. I got to know my dad. And I didn't need uh, any form of DNA testing because I could look at my dad and we could see resemblances like each other. I can uh, see the things and certain traits that we do. I just knew he was my dad because of these certain things. But again, the amazing thing was is I also did the DNA testing. And though my father was not on my birth certificate, my tests, from a geographical standpoint, matched exactly to what his side was. And, and so what's amazing is, that, is, again, the abilities that God has given uh, to find out who we are and where we came from. And this is, again, real, real quick, chapter 5 is going to be very quick because we're going to be going into chapter 6. But Adam here, he lived for 930 years, and at 130 years, he had his third son, Seth. Um, his firstborn, uh, Cain, murdered his younger brother, Abel. So Adam lived long enough to, to have a pretty large family here. Now many ask the question, how is it possible that people lived that long? Now the first simple answer is God allowed it, and, and chapter 6 will show it basically. But ge genetic purity was also a factor here. Uh, over years diseases formed and man-made foods and chemicals played a factor in our... Um, in the lack of our longevity. Uh, God allowed people to live long enough to, to populate the earth. Now, some lived longer than others. Uh, one name to mention was Methuselah, who's in this chapter. He was the longest living person in the Bible. He lived to be 969 years old. And he was another important, uh, another important figure was Enoch, who was the father of Methuselah. Uh, he was one who walked with God, it said. And it said that God took him without dying a natural death at the age of 365 years old in verse 24. And one, only one other uh, person in the Bible, the prophet Elijah, was taken to heaven without dying on earth. So we had two people on, in the Bible, for whatever reason, God decided to take home without dying a physical death. Why? That I'm not sure. But again, it said that, uh, it said that Enoch walked with God. And, and God took him. And I just love this, uh, uh, this saying that I heard from a child once. Uh, this child said that, uh, that Enoch walked so much with God that God saw how far he was from home and decided to take him up with him. And I, and I thought that that was one of the, uh, one of the cutest things. Uh, out of the mouth of babes, the Bible says here. And, and, and how, uh, how assuring that is at times. That, you know what? He did walk with him for 300 and some years here, it looks like. So, um, 
So what an amazing thing that God does allowing people to live as long as they did. And now as for genealogy and records, this, is, this was still and, and, and still is important uh, to especially the Jewish people. Preserving family tradition was strong, but preserving genealogy was even stronger. Uh, to us in our day, we can, we can take little interest sometimes, but the majority, as I said, pretty much care where they came from. Uh, but I'm absolutely glad for it because it gives documented proof of the existence of people in the Bible. It, it carries on to the genealogy of Christ later on in Matthew chapter 1. So we're going to have, uh, throughout the Bible, you're going to see a few different forms of genealogies. But for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his came out in Matthew chapter 1. And, and we like to see where our ancestral lines uh, came from. And this, show, this shows it all for mankind. Uh, so the last people mentioned in this is Noah and his three sons by the name of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And, and Noah is 500 years old in verse 32 having his, uh, having his three sons. So in the end of chapter, of chapter 5, the last people mentioned was Noah and the three sons. And that's who we're going to be focusing on here. Uh, so now Noah becomes the main figure of chapter 6. He and his family are recognized as righteous. Okay, salt of the earth. Which, which salt was used to pre- preserve food back then. We didn't, they didn't have refrigeration. So if, if you had food to be uh, preserved, salt was rubbed on it. Say like the meat. Okay, if you had the meat, you would rub the salt on the, on the meat in order to preserve it. Okay, now God calls us to be salt of the earth. He called us to be salt of the earth to preserve it as much as possible. And that's what he called us to do as, as, followers, as followers of him, to be salt of the earth, to preserve this earth. And that's exactly what Noah and his sons were. They were at the time, they were the only ones who were considered salt of the earth. Salt and light. So what, what chapter 6 is going to do is it's going to really elaborate much more here. But chapter 5 was just strictly, uh, quickly an introduction on the genealogy of Adam. And then the end of that genealogy is Noah and his sons. And that's when God basically uh, cuts it off from there. Now we don't know what the world's population was at this time. Because at this time many years have, have has passed. Probably a little over a thousand years has passed. So we don't know what the population of the earth was. But I'm sure that it's... Adam had his uh, work cut out for him as, a, as being a dad with the amount of children he had to have in order to populate. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read from, uh, from verse 1 to 4. If you have a Bible, uh, feel free to read along. If not, go ahead and listen. I'll read it to you. Verse 1 through 4 it says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those who were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. So basically, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Sin entered the life of every human being to be born. As time carried on, things got worse. In fact, having relations with what verse 2 said, sons of God, which, are, which was considered the fallen angels. Revelation 12 verse 9 speaks of angels that were cast out of... Um, 
cast out of heaven with Satan, the ones who followed Satan. If you remember, uh, in the earlier chapters I had mentioned what had happened to Satan. His name was once Lucifer. And he was one of the most beautiful and powerful angels in heaven. And basically what he did at the time was he thought that he can basically take over as God. And that he would actually dethrone him, which speaks of such things in the book of Isaiah. So basically Satan... As, as God, when God cast him out of heaven, he, his name was no longer Lucifer, he was now Satan. Lucifer stood for the angel or bringer of light, and Satan is now referred to as the adversary or deceiver. And with that, a number of angels decided to follow Satan. Now, how such things could happen in heaven is, is out of my, out of my thought process. But, I do see down here on earth the problem and power of popularity. People are free to, to choose to, to follow whoever it is that they want. And unfortunately, for some reason, a group of angels were deceived by one called Satan that, that caused them to be cast out of heaven with him. So sons of God in the Old Testament were used as the form of angels. Uh, other examples can be seen in, in the, the book of Job, uh, chapters 1, 2, and chapters 38, uh, for the angelic term of sons of God. So that's, that's what it's called in, um, in the Old Testament. When, you've, when you would hear that, they would call angels son of God, or sons of God. And it could be seen in Jude, chapter, um, in Jude the only one chapter, verse 6 and 7, uh, that the angels did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, it says. As we know, demonic uh, possession of human bodies was common and, and can be done to a body of someone who did not have God in their heart. And, and these giants were referred to as Nephilim. Okay, they were called Nephilim, uh, which translates giants in the Hebrew language. That's what it means. So you may one day see Nephilim in there, and that is a translation for giant. So for God, this was the point where he said, that is it. I have absolutely seen enough. Time's up. And, and there's other occasions throughout the Bible where God said that time is up. But, but this is one occasion where he gives a time frame. 120 years and it's coming down. Uh, rain that is and a whole lot of it. So this is one of the few occasions where you see God uh, give a time frame for something that's going to happen. Uh, now there's also speculation on age longevity uh, being 120 years old. Now, a few, a few people lived to be a little older than that uh, in the Bible, but uh, throughout the Bible and throughout the, the history of mankind, we don't see life past that for the most part. Uh, some people lived up to be 130 years old, um, and maybe a little older than that even, but it was very far and few that anybody else ever lived past 120 years of age. Uh, I myself researched the oldest living people in the world over the past 100 years. And... and um, and, and again, it was it was far and few. And 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 115 was was pretty much the top age for that far and few. But God said in in um, in 120 years a change is going to come to the earth. Now many have commented on the condition of the world in our 20th century. As, as bad as it is now, how bad was it then to have God this angry? Now, any relationship with, with satanic entities is the ultimate downfall to God. In fact, giant bones were actually discovered in these areas, uh, proving the existence of these giants. 
that, that we just read about. And uh, the interesting thing is that archaeologists who don't even normally read or believe in the Bible or God will use the Bible as a map book to find uh, exactly what it is they're looking for. And I, I think the Lord fear for archaeology. It's allowed us to see what is in existence. And we continue to find things from all over. Uh, the Old and the New Testament are continuing to, uh, to find things to this day. Uh, which as time goes on, I will point out uh, other things that were found throughout the Bible. But God continues to show us the accuracy of his word and the truth of his existence from all sorts of uh, sources out there that we've seen. Now if we, let's take a look at uh, verses 5 through 8 of chapter 6. It says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, over many years, people have questioned the existence of God. And, and if he exists, how could, how could he allow evil? And, and how could he be sorry about creating the human race? We were created with free will. Okay, When, when Cain became angry, uh, when God did not receive Cain's sacrifice, God told Cain that if, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. So God gave Cain the instruction and the warning, but he did not listen, and he could not bear the consequences of exile. And I'm going to repeat that again later on. Uh, God was grieved about the condition of the people. Any loving parent uh, who has a child that goes astray is not sorry that they were born, but are always grieved about the trouble they're in. Uh, every parent wants to see their children do well, as does God. Uh, the grief was the choice of mankind to choose sin and death over a personal relationship with God. Parents have said before that I, I'm just letting him or her, my son or daughter, work on their testimony. And, and parents have said that before, allowing their kids to go out there and sow their wild oats. Uh, well, not everybody has the chance to do that. Okay, as sin, sin is like flies to flypaper. Uh, if you've ever used it, one side sticks and the other doesn't. And when the fly keeps touching it, it either gets stuck and dies, or it'll have another chance. But eventually, uh, it'll get caught up if he continues to fly into that direction. And, and this is a good example, that, that we shouldn't have to hit rock bottom to have a relationship with God. You know, it might make for a good testimony, but not, every, not everybody gets to tell it. God uses our testimony, but he, he's not impressed by it. He cares more about where we're going more than where we've been. Okay, now, which leads to Noah. Okay, Noah, Noah was a diamond in the rough. Uh, the one who found grace in the Lord at this time. And, and it didn't say why, but it, but it would be uh, safe to say that Noah was doing the opposite of what everyone else was. There, uh, there's an old saying that if you can't beat them, join them. Well, Noah is proof that by not joining them, you have beaten them. And with population comes change. Uh, it's sad to have lived in beautiful small in a beautiful small town somewhere. And and as it grew, destruction creeped in. 
And then you hear the people talk with grief about how it was once a wonderful place to live. Uh, children once played in the street. Uh, people left their doors open. Neighbors cared for one another. And nowadays, uh, you don't really see that anymore. You have to keep your children inside or the neighbors don't even know one another. But God designed it like that, if not better, as it once was. Even better than that. But as time went on, so did destruction. See, no one knew God. He just, he just simply stayed the course. And, and we're going to see what else it said about him in, in, verse, uh, in verse 9. But again, the simple aspect was the, is what we're seeing here is that, that Noah was one of the only few people on earth that was walking with God and knew him in a personal way. Verse 9 to 16. It said, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make it a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. And set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks." So we see in chapter 5 of Genesis, it gave the family line of, of Adam, and now Noah is going to the, uh, to, to the foundation uh, with his three sons and populating the human race. So Noah is now going to be the foundation with his three sons. Uh, there were very few people in the Bible who were mentioned as perfect, and, and we don't want to be mistaken that he was sinless, okay, because he wasn't. The only one who walked on the face of the earth who was sinless and perfect died on a cross for our transgressions, who was Christ Jesus. But Noah, again, as I spoke, was a just man. Uh, the key word was Noah walked with God. And you see, a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who know of God, but Noah knew him on a personal level. Uh, he walked with him. And when you walk with someone, you're moving with them. You're actually going somewhere. But when you walk with them, uh, when you walk with God, you go in His direction, not our own. Uh, we wander aimlessly without Him, and and Noah lived because of God's favor and God's direction. So as for the direction, God gave Noah a design for an ark that he was uh, that he was supposed to build for himself and his family, and for all the animals. And God said to use gopher wood, which does not exist in our time. Uh, but God, if God said to use it, then it must have been some sort of really durable wood. And, and the size of it was impressive. Okay, 300 cubits, and, and then the width of it was 50 cubits. Uh, a cubit is about 18 to 20 inches in length in, in these ancient measurements. Uh, so to do the math, you're looking at about 400 feet, or I'm sorry, 450 feet, um, and 70 feet wide, and 40 to 50 feet high. So about 450 feet long, 70 feet, 75 feet wide, 45 to 50 feet high. 
So if you're good with measurement, uh, go outside and take a look and try to measure the size of this thing. Uh, then he said to cover it in pitch, which is like a uh, pitch was a tar substance, which was most likely used as a water sealer. Now, what's interesting is that Noah was not a professional boat builder. But by following the plan, the blueprints God gave him, Noah and his family was good because of it. You know, the Titanic was designed and built by mostly professionals, and what was considered the unsinkable ship, which sunk. So we see why God uh, chose Noah. Okay, he possessed two of God's favorite things in a person. And those two favorite things that God has always looked at in people were faith and obedience. And often people would ask someone uh, who is close to God, how did they get through a situation, or how did they survive something that others did not? And they would say they would say first that grace, first and foremost, and then second that I listen to the Lord. And I've I've always liked Jeremiah chapter twenty nine verse eleven. It says, God said, "For I know the thoughts that I have, that I think toward you," says the Lord, thoughts of peace and and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now this was from God expressing His heart and plan for those who walk with Him, like Noah did. And and so we see the again we see the heart of God. He has a he has a, a plan of peace and a plan of hope for his for his own. Now again, Noah it didn't really give a whole lot about his past. But judging from what we see, I think it's simple to say that I would I wouldn't mind being in his shoes. When it comes down to the next, to any form of a flood that should happen to come again. Now, let's look at verse 17. And we're going to do 17 to 22, which is the end here. And God said, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, in which is the breath of life, everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring, two of every sort into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, and animals of their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So Noah was in charge, basically, of also caring for two of each and every animal that was uh, that was to come. Uh, God caused the animals to come to him. Absolutely amazing. So throughout the Bible, God made covenants with certain people. Uh, covenant, which is a, it's an unbreakable promise between two people, and uh, the ones he uh, that he had made covenants with were special people in the Bible, uh, people who were close to God, walked with Him closely, and, and loved God in truth. And those were the people that God made uh, special covenants with, which we'll hit one day. Uh, Noah must have been something special to have been the uh, the only one with his family, which is eight people altogether. Okay, so many see God as, as a God of wrath, and, and wrath only. Yet, 120 years it takes Noah to build the ark. Uh, somebody had to question, why? What are you doing? 
So I'm pretty sure that Noah Noah wasn't being uh, uh, discreet about it. I'm sure Noah for 120 years was making known why he was building the ark. But nobody repents. For the first time on earth, rain was going to be seen and like never before. Now, to give a spoiler alert, if you're hearing this for the first time, uh, and after this, after all this happens, God promises to never flood the earth again. The whole, the whole earth, that is, okay? So I, I say that now because if you're hearing this for the first time, it is very simple and easy for somebody to look at God and mistaken who He is. And again, people, people look at God in, in one of two different ways. That, that God is, is simply all love and he allows people to do whatever they want. Which God is all love, but he does not allow anybody to do whatever they want. And second, that he is a God of wrath. And, and all he does is, is he wants to destroy everybody for every little thing they do. That is absolutely not true as well. God is just and God sees all things. He cannot allow anybody to get away with wrong. If you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you love your children, you do not allow them to get away with doing things. Okay, so again, Noah was definitely something special. So why Noah? Why was he chosen out of all people in the world? If, if you look at chapter 4 of Genesis, God spoke to Cain about doing good and doing wrong. I'm going to say it again. God said in verse 7 of chapter 4, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. Now, the rest of the world took Cain's path, apparently, ignoring God and choosing death and violence. And I bring that up to, to remind us that God acted on the actions of the world. If someone commits a heinous crime, the public would want justice. If someone commits a heinous crime, then basically... Being arrested in punishment is is a just cause. But see, God is a perfect gentleman. When someone when someone says, "I want nothing to do with you," he gracefully backs off. The unfortunate thing is, when that happens, we're on our own, and the outcome is never good. See, Noah, Noah never re, he never rebelled or questioned God. He simply did what was told. Perhaps we can relate to not doing what we were told when God was directing our, our ways and our path. I am guilty for doing that with many others out there. But if we're still here, it is by His grace. And He's giving us opportunities to be of Him so we can be with Him. God has special plans for His people. And I, I want to know where, where God stands so I could be standing right by Him when the storms come in. In order, and in order to know where he stands, you must know God personally. So as we close, I, I want to leave you with a scripture from, from the book of Psalm, chapter 37, verse 5 and 6. It says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So, again... How can we relate to this? We simply have to receive the Lord and we have to be a part of Him. We have to be walking with Him very closely at all times, closely as possible. But again, we, we have a tendency to, to stray away because of the sin nature we developed from, from Adam and Eve in the garden. 
But we do have a merciful God. We do have a God who sees all things and knows all things, who where nothing is hidden from him. Obviously nothing was hidden from him because only eight people in the world survived when he knew the mind and heart of the rest of the world. So in order to know God, well, there's two ways to do so. The first and, fo- the first and foremost, you must receive him into your heart. Second, you must grow by studying the word of God and by prayer and by having a personal relationship with him, fellowship with him. That's what Noah did. Noah had a personal relationship with God. He knew God. He didn't just know of him. He knew, uh, he knew him. He walked with him. And that is the difference. A lot of people out there know of God, but they ignore him. And it's one of the most dangerous things we can do. So I want to give you an opportunity to know God personally. I want to give you an opportunity to know Him first and foremost and then to know of Him more and more as time goes on. So I want to, I want to invite you to say a prayer. If you have not received the Lord Jesus into your heart. That is what the Bible says. That the Lord Jesus in your heart is, is the way to heaven. You must receive Him, who is the Son of God, who died on a cross for our transgressions, as I mentioned earlier. And if you receive Him into your heart, He will receive you. It's what the Bible says. So I want to give you the opportunity to do so. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask you to cleanse me and wash me of all of my sins. I thank you for sending your Son, Lord, to die for me, Lord. And Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Wash me and cleanse me, Lord. And receive me as one of yours, Lord. For Father, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. So I want to thank you again for listening. I pray again that you will grow and know the Lord more and more. I've been a Christian for 31 years. And over the, over the years, I can attest to the, to the words of those who have taught me, those that I have learned from, have taught the Bible for 40, 50 years. And they say too that they've scratched the surface. And that's what we're going to do together. But I also want to encourage you to do this on your own as well. One on one with the Lord. So again I want to thank you. And and again may God bless you and keep you. And I congratulate you if you've said this prayer in truth. May God bless you always.